0: If you're unchurched, never been to Sunday school, have no interest in God, never studied the Bible, you have probably heard it somewhere. The Lord is my shepherd. The Psalm 23. You might have been to a funeral service and you heard it spoken. Or maybe you were watching a movie and they quote Psalm 23. It seems to me like this is the most... Famous, popular, well-known psalm. And the thing is, it goes so rich. It goes so deep. And the, the whole concept of a shepherd, because that's what it's talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd was a major, major theme within the entirety of Scripture, of the Bible. And it was not only used of God. In fact, this is the first time it's used of God. That's interesting, isn't it? A lot of times the the word shepherd or shepherding is used of a king of Israel or one of the leaders of Israel, the major leader. And it was connecting that concept with those leaders. But also it is... A, a word that is connected to the coming Messiah. The Old Testament prophesies that there is this coming Messiah. He will be a shepherd. And so it becomes very, very important for us, I think, in my own heart to see the, um, just how important all through the scriptures it talks about shepherds. And I, for one, am just fascinated With sheep, with shepherds, I love it. When I was in Israel years ago, there was a lot of highlights. But the one thing that I was always looking for as we were riding in the bus were shepherds and sheep. And I just stared at them, pretending I was 2,000 years ago. We came across a camp, Bedouins, And I wanted to stop. so But I almost stood up and said, stop. Because I saw the tents. And I saw the sheep. And I wanted to just go and visit with them. Go inside their tent. Drink some of their sweet tea. And just interview them. And talk about what it's like to be a shepherd out in the desert. I am fascinated with that. When I go out to the farm where Barb grew up. They had sheep. And I remember before her mom passed away, that we would both be looking out the window. And I was, she she had that fascination like I did. And we just watched the little lambs jump, 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 hop around. And, you know, we loved it. I loved it at least. And to this day, I love it. When we have a bunch of sheep down there, I love driving down and just looking at them. All they are doing is just grazing. There's nothing exciting about it. But I love it. And so this is part, partly the reason why I love Psalm 23, because it's talking about sheep and a shepherd. And so here we have, in, in the scriptures, we have, in the Old Testament at least, we have God as the shepherd. We have the kings of Israel and the leaders of Israel, known and called as shepherds. And then we got the Messiah, which is Christ, as a shepherd, and this here, when it says the Lord is my shepherd, you can say Christ is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. And what is so interesting so much about this word is that it was used in the Old Testament. And in the, in with, within the Old Testament, there was a lot of names that was given for God. You see God is called a refuge. You see God is called a fortress. God is called a warrior in Isaiah. It said that, that God is like a nursing mother giving nourishment to his children. And you also see that God is called a shepherd. But all those images that are from the Old Testament did not carry over into the New Testament, except for one, and that's the word shepherd. And so it's no wonder that Jesus latched onto that language. Where he says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I love it. So what I want to do here in this series, like I said, it's going to be, I I don't want to go too long in teaching. And I want to to do different things with it. And this is why when you come and hear this teaching, that your heart is softened, your heart is tender, and you're listening. And, And most importantly, I think, is through the week you think about that one phrase. Because as you think about it, it will deepen. It will go deeper inside of your soul. But I want us to better understand what is going on in Psalm 23. So let's read Psalm 23, 1. And you will memorize this because it is so short and you know it already. And that's, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack Nothing. Now, David was a shepherd himself. And so when he's talking about God, he's talking about also himself in his experience of being a shepherd. He's not disconnected from what he's talking about here. He literally walked the hills of Bethlehem and in, in the Judean deserts, into the Negev desert as a shepherd. So he understands what it's like to be a shepherd. So when David starts his psalm, he is looking at himself as a shepherd. And he sees that his God, that the Lord is his shepherd. So I began to imagine what this would look like. And here's here's an image of a shepherd boy that is riding on a donkey. And this could be David. He just wasn't walking everywhere. He had a donkey because his flock was so huge and so large that he had to have a donkey just to... Maybe not, but I think he did. And so I like to imagine that. Here's another picture of a shepherd boy playing a flute. David was a musician. And can't you just see him playing a flute? And what that does, it calms the sheep down. It gives them rest. Because you don't want a stressed out sheep. And so he would either be playing a harp, he would be playing a flute. David understood everything about shepherding, and he was really, really good at that. And so when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, what is he getting at? What is he really talking about? And that's what I want to go through in this whole, these six verses in Psalm 23. Now, I don't know what you know about shepherding. There might be a shepherd in here. I, I have no idea. Or you might know a lot about it. I really know nothing. I've studied it, researched it, loved it, watched people, watched the sheep. But I really didn't know anything about it years ago. And I still don't. But years ago, I was very ignorant about what it is to be a shepherd. And so I had this image that I captured inside my mind about what shepherding is. And one of those images was this of just green hills (coughs) (coughs) where everything is just luscious green. And the sheep are just grazing. And all the shepherd had to do was just sit, read a book read a novel, play the guitar. That's what I would be doing, playing the guitar. And I was thinking, what is so hard about being a shepherd? I used to really think this. I would love to, be, to have that profession as a shepherd because I could get a lot done. I could really learn the guitar. And I could do all this reading. I'd do all this research. This is called a lazy profession. Well, I began to learn that it's not so. It's really not that way. And here's a, here's a, a picture of Jerusalem. Judean desert. And I began to learn that sheep thrived in the desert, in harsh environments. You see see Jerusalem up there. Right below it in the orange is the Judean desert. And right beneath that is the Negev desert. And they all look the same. The rolling hills, just like the one that you previously saw. It was just green, but it's going to turn all brown later on. But this is where the sheep and the goats thrived, and I'm thinking, wow. And David will talk about this in Psalm 23 as we will get to it on weeks to, in weeks to come. But here's, here's a picture of a sheep just in the desert. I know I got a little crazy on my images, but I was having so much fun. I love this. And so that's, that's kind of what we're doing, and that's where we're going in this series. But here they are. There's some water there. It's a good shepherd providing for the sheep. And basically that is what Psalm 23 verse 1 is talking about is that the Lord is my provider. He's my protect- protector. But here you just see a desert. This is in the Judean desert is where that's taken from. I want us to turn to, uh, you don't have your Bibles or to so be up here In Jeremiah 3.15. I came across this verse. And I don't want to talk about the verse. What I want is just highlight two words in this verse. And that's in. Yeah. Jeremiah 3.15. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. And the word understanding. there's There's a precise word. And that is skill. So. So he said, you will have a shepherd that will be with skill and with knowledge. And this is what a shepherd has to have, is knowledge and skill. Because it takes those two words in order to lead a flock properly, to lead the flock well. And the reason is, is because there's so many things out there, so many crazy environments that you will face. And one of them is the harsh environment of the Judean and the Negev desert. If we can just turn to the... I don't know if that looks harsh to you. It's the only... That's the best picture that I could find. But they were harsh environments that they had to face. But there's something else that they had to face. And that was Unforgiving Canyons. And sheep, which we are very similar to, as they say, aren't the brightest thing on the block. And that's really hard for us to understand. But literally, in my research, if a sheep is not led well, well, they will literally fall off a hill or off a cliff. So, you have to have this shepherd that has skill, has knowledge to lead them well. So, you also have flash floods. In fact, I was reading the other day that this is, this is also in the Judean desert. That is the number one killer in the desert. So you have to understand the rainfall and where the rain is falling in the hills, so that your flock is not caught into the canyon or in a valley, because a flash flood will come and just totally just wipe them all out. But there's another thing: there's drought in the land. There's an image here. Now that's we don't have the drought. Okay, that's fine. There's a drought. And so you need to know where the rain is falling, where it is not. And you need to know where and how to find the water. But not only that, you need to, you need to be watchful for these persistent predators that want to come and eat your flock up. You have bears. You have foxes. You have jaguars. You don't have bears in the land anymore. But in ancient times, they did. This is what the ancient shepherds had to face. And so you also have the wolves, which are there in, in the land today, but the wolves are after your sheep. You have lions. Lions are no longer in the land of Israel, but this is what the shepherds had to face. So there's a lot of predators that want your flock. And so there's a lot of knowledge and skill and wisdom that is required from a shepherd. You also have to be uh, knowledgeable upon the poisonous plants that are there. And this is one of them. To me, it just looks like whatever. You can eat it. Sheep are good. But that's poisonous. That's going to do harm for the sheep. Sheep. And that's why it takes knowledge and it takes skill. But not only that, you have poisonous insects, venomous insects, like spiders and like scorpions and many more other things. What I'm trying to do is bring you a picture. When David said, the Lord is my shepherd, he's thinking about all these things because he's gone through all of these things. He's faced all the predators and the poisonous plants and the poisonous, venomous insects. And so when we're talking about a shepherd, we're talking about the knowledge and skill that you have to be able to understand weather patterns and routes and where the sheep and the goats are going, where you are leading them, and constantly on guard of anything or anyone that wants to bring harm to you. The flock. It's a lot of responsibility. It's an unbelievable responsibility that the shepherd has for his flock. So, my mind wasn't right, was it? It's not a lazy profession, it's hard work, skill, and knowledge has to be a part of that. And you have to be on top of it all in order to lead your flock well. So this is the setting of Psalm 23.1. And when David is talking about the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying this shepherd is worth his salt. He gets it. He understands And he's saying that he gets me, he gets you, he understands, and he can lead you with skill. Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd. With everything that I just shared in a few moments, of everything that's going through David's head, he was a great shepherd. He took care of his flock. They were protected. They were provided for. And he says, and he passes that on to you and I, this, Lord, this Christ is my shepherd. And what I like about this is that he understands that a shepherd shepherds a flock. The Lord shepherds all of us. But did you notice something? And I noticed that years ago, I've never seen it. And I knew this little phrase since I was a little kid. The Lord is my shepherd. But he says, my shepherd. David was a a shepherd for thousands of sheep. But each sheep could say, David is my shepherd And that's the way it is with the Lord. The Lord is my, my, yours too, my shepherd. And what he has done, he has internalized it. And that's what Christ has done. He says, I come to live inside of you. I have a shepherd. Christ is my shepherd. And he dwells and he lives within me. And as David would say, he will lead me well. He will lead me well. I just want us to get the feel and the touch and the gentleness and the tenderness and the knowledge that when David wrote this, he's writing from the experience of being a shepherd. And he sees the Lord and he said, "Ah, I got the word. i got the word for my Lord. He's my shepherd. And then he goes on. He says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. See that? When you get that first part, you can say the second, I really will lack nothing. Another way to say it, and I was reading Richard Rohr, and I've always felt there was something more with the words, some of your translations will say, I shall not want. Other translations in my NIV says, I lack nothing. I like that better. But this is the best. This is the best. And I think this is the one that captures what David is saying because it captures what Christ is all about. Because the Lord is my shepherd, there is enough. Internalize what I just told you. Personalize it inside of you. Because Christ... Or because the Lord is my, my, my shepherd, I am enough. Because he's enough. And I'm identified with the shepherd. The shepherd is identified with me. And therefore, when Christ is my shepherd, when the Lord is my shepherd, you are enough. I am enough enough. For he is enough. We're talking about an identity here that goes deep into your soul. And this is why this psalm is a meditative psalm. It's a pondering psalm. And it takes time to deepen that and to allow the spirit to reach deep within side of you. And so when I was reading Richard Rohr, I, I read this, um, this quote. And I'm going to close with this, and then I'm going to call Gina up here. It's a, it's a quote that just so resonated. I don't know if I was even looking for it. But he had the same thoughts as I did at, about Psalm 23. I was just kind of interested interested in it, it, and he uses that word, the Lord is my shepherd, I am enough. And this is what he said. Once you move your identity to that level of deep inner contentment, you will realize you are drawing upon a life that is much larger than your own and from a deeper abundance. Abundance. And once you learn this, why would you ever again settle for scarcity in your life? I'm not enough. This is not enough. I do not have enough. I am afraid this is the way culture trains you to think. It is a kind of learned helplessness the gospel message, message is just the opposite, inherent power. In other words, he's saying the shepherd is inside. And sometimes we never think that way because we think too physically that the, the shepherd is guiding the sheep. And he does that in our physical lives as well. But more so, Christ is within Christ is our shepherd. And you don't have to buy the shepherd. You don't earn the shepherd. All you have to do is breathe and be born. And the shepherd is with you. And now we just have to learn to trust. To trust in the shepherd. And that's a lifelong journey, isn't it? So we're going to talk about some of these things. In Psalm 23. And the rest of this psalm, as Gene did, why don't you come up right now? As the rest of the psalm, David is helping us to understand how the shepherd is meeting your need and my need. That's all the psalm is about. He starts with the intro The Lord is my shepherd, I am enough. This is, this is how the shepherd is going to meet your needs. And this is going to be, to me at least, an exciting series. And so Gina will share just a little bit on her heart, and then I will come up and close with just um, no more than a minute, and then Joe will close us with a song.
1: So, my dad asked me to share a post that I, I put up on Facebook, and uh, I don't ever <clears throat> share anything hardly on Facebook, um, but for some reason, this specific quote kind of stood out to me and um, was personal to me, so I shared it, and um, pretty much the second I hit the button, my dad called me and was like, I just read your Facebook post, I'm like how I literally just hit the button, <laughs> but um and was like, This actually goes along with my sermon, so um I'm gonna share first why this post um kind of touched my heart, and uh uh why I shared it, and uh then I'm gonna go ahead and uh read it so Last year, as I have kind of mentioned before in this church, was a mixture of hardships and amazing blessings. Um, And this quote stood out to me because it spoke to my hardships. Parenting, grandparenting, friendships, being a wife, being a husband, all have moments of being really hard and it's hard because we live in a broken world. Um, you know my husband Mike read an article saying that our age group is the first to parent kids in a completely digital world. From the very beginning and um, it's hard and um, in a way it made me feel better because I'm like okay nobody knows what they're doing <laughs> there is no instructions um, and so um, my hardships this last year have had a lot to do with my kids not because they're bad kids not because they've made really bad decisions but because this broken world has shown its fallen side. It's hard to see your kids go through hard things. It's one of the hardest things I've done. Uh, and it created a lot of fear in me. Uh, fear of how I'm supposed to raise my kids in this world. Doubt that I can even be a friend to someone who needs a shoulder to lean on when I'm full of fear of how to navigate this life. Fear and doubt, uh, so intense that it gave me four months of stomach ulcers. Uh, I would tell myself, okay, give this to the Lord. And so I would pray and say, Lord, take this fear from me. But I would pray and my prayer would be full of fear. (laughs) Um, And so then someone told me Whatever we choose to focus on is what will grow. I was focusing on all the negative in this world, the negative in my kid's life, the negative in my life. So I changed my prayer to thank you, Lord. Thanking him for all the good that I see in my kid's life, all the good that I see around me. Um, and it changed To the good that I see constantly in my kids, and it gave me a chance to talk to my kids about all the good that is in them and all the good that is around them and around us and that lives in us. And that good is a hundred percent Jesus. We have a strength, we have a confidence, we have a love, we have an acceptance, we have a courage. And we have a faith that can move mountains, that lives in us. This world is most likely always going to be crazy. It's always going to be broken. But our Father who lives in us is how we navigate it. We are children of God. This quote brought out a reassurance of this in me. So I'm going to read this quote here. Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids or grandkids because the world they are going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith, knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change the world. Teach them to be, teach, don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman, and he knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your children can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. He created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniels, Davids, Esthers, and Peters. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with this mess of a world. He has an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and to make him known all over the world. Don't let your fear steal the darkness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet babies, and we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. But they were both, they were born for such a time as this. <laughs>
0: So, Joe, as you come up, this the this is what we want to do. You know, I just want to give um, a simple setting of a Psalm 23 into the verses, and next week we'll go into verse 2, give a little setting, and Seth will um, teach the following week, but this is kind of where the vision God has given to me in this psalm. It's a little bit different. But I want to get the feel of what David's going through, what he experiences and what he's trying to teach. And then I want you to apply. And this is why, in fact, when I was listening or reading Richard Rohr, I was just reading about that. his quote on, um, on the I am enough. And I read that Facebook and I said, this is, a when I read, or, yeah, the, the post that Jinda had, I said, no, this is the application. And that's what I would challenge you. Where it's not about me, my application, not in this psalm, but I want you to rest, to meditate, to deepen it, because we're going to get some gnarly stuff going on. And it will be short enough where you can pay attention, but also um, if there's a psalm, if there's a section in one of those verses, let me know because we're going to have times, and one of these times we might even have an open mic to where I will ask a question before I even teach so you can think about it and, and give you plenty of time to minister to the body in the way that the Spirit has been teaching you. And so that's kind of the approach where I want to go. It's a little bit different. And the teaching is a little bit different style. And I have to be honest with you. It's just my experiment. That's all. Okay. So I want feedback. If you hate it, let me know. If you like it, you want to keep observing it, that's fine too. Um, But when it's at the end of the day, I'm going to pretty much do what I feel led to do. I'd love to hear from you, and God bless you. Thank you, Lord, for this, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the gentle and the tender spirit that is in this room. Thank you, Father, for a psalm that's way more powerful than what we could ever imagine. Thank you, Father, for this psalm that as we lay our head upon the pillow... We can pause. And we can say thank you. That because you are my shepherd, I am enough. I am enough. God bless you. Have a great week.